right, the Mainland Podcast is back. We are uh, in our off-season monthly uh, schedule now, and uh, I'm Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. Joining me tonight, uh, as usual, Andrew Harrison and Daniel McGann. Guys, how you doing tonight? Uh, doing fantastic. The off-season so far, uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, not Orlando City moves for the men's team so much, but Orlando moves. It's been exciting with the NWSL and uh, and all the other things to travel down to Brazil. So it's been fun. Yeah, it's been a good. It's been a nice off season for the fact that we've actually had some things to talk about. We've not just hit that wall of of void of lack of soccer, which other teams have hit. Right, we've been lucky because last year in the off season it was exciting for us because we're assembling an MLS team. And this year, you know, so far it's it's been eventful. We've got uh, we'll get into it. Uh, Andrew actually went down to Rio de Janeiro, lucky bastard that he is, <laughs> and uh, saw Orlando City play against uh, Flamengo in uh, in the Americana. Uh, and historic building, 120th anniversary of the club. Orlando City goes on the road with a little bit of a depleted uh, lineup with guys on international duty and some guys still injured like Tally Hall. And um, you know, played uh, played. They lost one nil, but uh, it was you know it was not unexpected to go to a foreign country and and have you know a struggle against a, a club of the caliber of Flamengo. Even though they're eleventh in the table, Brazilian Serie A is still uh, you know a strong league. And um, you know, Orlando City had their opportunities. In fact, should have been on one nil lead. Uh, we had a a penalty earned by. Uh, Adrian Vinter, and uh, who really hustled his uh, tail off in the early going of that game. I thought he was really strong in the first 20 or 25 minutes of the game. And Brian Rochez with a poor effort on the penalty kick and um, easily saved. Uh, and then late, a free kick goal against. So, you know, not bad. Going down to Brazil against a, a top-flight Brazilian club and not allowing a goal in the run of play uh, probably speaks pretty well for you know, the way that the team played in the in the friendly. In fact, you know, the Brazilian league's still going on right now, so they're in season, and Orlando's been off for a while. So I'd say overall, Andrew, a 1-0 loss uh, in those circumstances is probably not a terrible result. No, I think, it, I think it was a nice result for us, the fact that we were about three weeks out from not really having played a game. We had a long trip down there, basically the longest we'd faced all season. Um to go in playing at a team that was at home mid-season, okay, they're having some struggles, but we actually put up, a, we gave a good account of ourselves. We went down there with a lot of firsts uh, in our mind and trying to be a flagship team for what is trying to grow in soccer in the United States, and I think we did a good performance. Would I have liked to have seen a win? Certainly, but I think that we have to be proud with what we've done and it really kind of cements where we've come as a franchise in the last 12 to 18 months. Yeah, and it's hard to, to take a, a business trip approach um, when you've got a young team like Orlando City does and, you know, all of a sudden they're on the let loose on the beaches of Rio, Daniel. Um, you know, how much, of, how much do you think the extracurricular and the trip itself sort of takes center stage and, and takes some focus away from the match? Uh, in the off season, I think it takes uh, <laughs> predominantly the center stage, right? I mean, how many of these players had the chance to play in Brazil at, at in the Americana, one of the most storied stadiums in the world, 
uh, against a very storied club as well. I mean, this is kind of the Brazilian trip we put off a few times. Uh, if you remember, we, we had a Brazilian trip planned before the, the inaugural season and it didn't work out. Um, and I'm pretty sure it got the hopes, uh, the players' hopes up at that time, and now they, they finally got to da- uh, go down there and play in a stadium like this. And albeit it wasn't a huge crowd, 12,000, 13,000 people, you're still uh, in Rio playing in the Americana against a storied club. I could pr- see a, a few players being starry-eyed. Um, and probably having long nights either before or after. And uh, I wouldn't really chalk too much into the game um, mm-hmm. outside of uh, Roquez missing that uh, flub of a penalty kick. I mean, that would I, I don't even feel like you put anything behind it. But, um, you know, the, you, can't, you can't hope for a 1-0. That's, that, that wasn't bad. It was a good showing um, mm-hmm. to the point they went down there and they, they held their own a little bit and had the opportunity to put something in the back of the net. Yeah, kind of a fluke goal that they allowed because it, it came off of Darwin Saren changed directions and um, Orlando City's trialist goalkeeper uh, Thierry Graca is uh, was unable to do anything about that goal. And um, you know, for the most part, the team did its job defensively. Just uh, a bad bounce uh, cost them, uh, you know, at least a draw as a result. So, uh, but I'm interested, Andrew. You went down there. I- I'm really interested to hear about your trip, about what the atmosphere was like about what the stadium was like about what you experienced as a as a reporter uh for us for the mainland covering the uh match it was it was just such an eye-opening experience um first of all the stadium is so it's just magical like to be there it was such a large stadium you know it holds seventy thousand. it's in the middle of a residential neighborhood and it's just got so much history i mean they had they had like a museum tour and things that I kind of got to take part in. Um, and they've got, you know, they have the ball that Pele scored his thousandth goal with. Um, they have a set of stairs that the Pope stood on um, <laughs> and just like certain things. And also um, for the World Cup last year, they had the um, the mascot as well as um, the Maracanã hosted six games. And for each game, it gets a little replica World Cup trophy um, with the game that it hosted at that time um one thing that i really took away from it is though i'm very excited about orlando city putting a roof on its stadium um there may have only been a small crowd there but you could really hear them during any moment of going forward or just any sort of positive play it was it sounded like it was almost full even when there's such a small crowd um and I think it was a really interesting experience from the fact that these lads got to go down there and play against those some people. You know, we talk about a, a starry-eyed approach to it, but it's also part and parcel of doing it. We want to play more of these types of games. We want to get to the CONCACAF Champions League. We want to be playing in these kinds of stadiums. And this mm-hmm. is where this starts to come in. Um, it was a very positive experience. I would definitely make me want to go on more road trips from the mainland um, and to get that approach and see what's coming up around as well. Now, one thing I'm interested in, Andrew, is um, sort of the, the experience you had as a as a writer for us. Like, I, I know there's a little bit of a language barrier that that might have come into play. Did, how did you get around that? Did they did they give you a good press meal? I want I want to know all all the little details. Uh, well, there there was no. The, the press contingent was, there was no refreshments, no meal. Um, <laughs> the, I, 
the language barrier in Rio is nobody speaks English whatsoever. Um, <laughs> I had also left my power cable at the hotel, um, so I had to point and gesticulate to a nearby reporter if I could borrow his power cable so I could charge my computer for a little while. Um, mm -hmm. It was just, it was very much bare bones. It was, here's a desk, here's a power to plug in, there's a field, some people will run around on it in a few minutes. Um, and it was very n not what you would expect in the United States. Um, and the language barrier was tough, um, for especially getting my credentials and just that whole experience. But once I was there, and they had great facilities in terms of Wi-Fi and things like that, but it was a nice place to cover a game, but the press meal and refreshments and all that kind of stuff, nothing. It was, you're here to do, you're here to do something, we're going to let you do it, we're not going to bother you, and then you're going to leave. Yeah. Um, who was there from Orlando? Did you have a guy from the Orlando City um, staff helping you or, or, you know, making sure that you were taken care of in terms of, like, getting to talk to Adrian Heath and stuff after the game? Yeah, um, so when we went downstairs, um, basically the all the four guys for Orlando City that were there on the trip um, sat in front of me, um, and I spoke to Lenny mostly, um, and he was just mm -hmm. kind of telling me where stuff was going to be next and what we were going to be doing because there was so many media rooms that were down there um, where we were actually going to be, and we ended up doing it in the tunnel, so there was a lot of space, um, and they mm -hmm. had basically both boards side by side for um, Flamengo and for Adrian Heath mostly, um, and it was just a, it was a very great experience. But Orlando City was really positive and really helpful, um, and I do thank them a lot for giving me the opportunity and helping me get credentials for it too. Uh, before we get into our man of the match. Um Andrew, I wanted to ask also, um, were you the only or uh, you know United States uh, media there covering the Orlando City game? I was, yes. I managed to catch a list of uh, the list when I was first signing in. Um, I was the only person down there. Um, there was nobody else. And I think the one thing that the club really struggled with was trying to get the Brazilian media to take an interest in the non English language, you know, and the, in people who only spoke English, like mm -hmm. it was very much a a bit of a roundup where they had to try to get people to encourage the, you know, for Heath and things like that. Like the crowd that was on the Flamengo players was a lot bigger than the ones that were with Heath's press conference and just everything else in the same situation. Like when the when I went to training, they were interviewing. Um, Flavio and the um, the Canero and they you know they were really interested in those people but when it came down to mm -hmm. it it was a lot more restrained when it came to really what we consider the power players like Heath and some of the players that are really integral to what we like as fans as, mm -hmm. as bloggers. Right. Well, I'm, I'm sure one of the one of the issues was uh, No Kaka. He's off on uh, international duty, and uh, you know it's it's. It's too bad because the the timing of the of the event would have been great if if you know World Cup qualifying and stuff like that wasn't going on. But the you know the Brazilian national team has been in action, and you know we wouldn't probably have suspected during the season that that Kaká would get the call up for you know meaningful World Cup qualifiers. But uh, 
uh, you know, there he was, and um, so he wasn't able to take part. I'm sure there would have been a, a, a lot more interest in the game and a lot more uh, probably fans in the seats, oh, yeah. but I can tell you, uh, you know, it, it didn't look great on TV, but I think they predominantly seated one side of the stadium, which was happened to be the angle that the camera was pointing from, um, is, is my impression, because there were a couple of alternate, like, shots from time to time of the of the stands and they were showing what they were showing looked like a lot more than what we were seeing you know from the from the camera angle during the game so my suspicion is that they were showing it from the angle where all the people were already were sitting below the camera so um but you know one nil loss but it's you know we got some bonus soccer in the off season uh so you know a lot of teams are done but orlando city continued to to get on the field and and you know, give us some some moments to cheer about. And um, so let's get into our man of the match, uh, Daniel. Uh, we're gonna start with you. And um, you know, obviously it wasn't a great performance, and a lot of people only played you know sparingly. Uh, but what did you think? Who was your man of the match for Orlando City? Uh, hard hard to choose one whenever we've already talked about uh, them looking a little out of it. But uh, I thought uh, both. Uh, Adrian Venter played well, and Darwin Saren, uh, outside of his mistake. Uh, in the defensive half that, that basically led to the, the goal. Um, I thought Saren showed that he can play on, you know, just about any level that you put him. Um, and I'd, I'd go with Saren there. He was, he was um, you know, he, he made some, some good runs at the, the Flamingo defenders. Uh, he, he had some good passes. Um, that, that nice one-two that he played was really, really good that Rebus, I thought, was going to uh, slot that one away. But, um, I just thought for for the the sake of looking like he could play on a, another level, Darwin looked like he could. All right, uh, Andrew, what was your uh, who was your man of the match? Um, once again, I gotta kind of repeat, Daniel. I was it was hard to see because I think we didn't play with it as much passion as we would like to have seen. Um, I thought Vinter did play really well. He looked like a player that was once again trying to fight for where he wants to be next season. Um, I I would potentially say I thought Seb Hines had a good game for me. Um, he was basically one of the only players that played the full 90 minutes. Um, I thought he played well playing between two partners. Um, and so I'd probably go with him. I mean, we, we didn't concede off an open goal. Um, he had a good position and he'd probably be my man of the match. Yeah, I, I agree, and he's he's the guy I had in mind all along. Seb Hines, I thought, played really well. I thought that the the back line prevented a lot of good opportunities mm-hmm. and good looks. Um, there were only one or two really good looks in open play, and Seb had to play with two different partners, with, with Colin in the first half and Mateo. So to be able to do that, uh, I thought he played really well. Now he was involved in the foul that led to the free kick, but that was a midfield breakdown that, that – you know, he basically had no choice. Uh, it was it was a stopped. coverage. It, like he, they 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 you know yeah. they both were trying to cover and it just didn't work out. Yeah, I mean you have to stop the guy running at your goal who's just been given a free run by the midfield who coughed up the ball. And, it, and it's actually I'm interested uh, in Daniel's answer because I thought aside from the back heel pass from Sarah and I thought he had a tough game. I thought he had a, a lot of giveaways. I thought there was an opportunity to fire one on goal and he took an extra touch and, and had it taken away and. I thought he made a lot of mistakes uh, that you wouldn't wouldn't normally see from Darwin Saren. Um, well, I, I kind of I have to have to talk that to 
to look like the players around him in the midfield outside of Venter in the first 20 minutes. They mm-hmm. they looked like they were a little sluggish, uh, and Saren looked like he he was trying to do a little too much because everything was running through him anyway. So those mistakes were going to happen because the movement wasn't necessarily there around him. That's why we saw that disconnect. But I saw the same thing from Saren that I always see, which is 110. Um, percent And outside of that, I mean, I, I wasn't going to choose a defender because I'm, we're going down to Brazil not to just set up camp. You know, I was. <laughs> I was I was hoping to see a little bit more, and the only player outside of Venture who I said had a good, you know, like everyone else said, he had a good uh, first half of the first half, but uh, Sam was the only person that looked like he wanted to do something, and he got caught at times a few times because I think he was doing trying to do too much, um, but still he was the only player that looked like he wanted to move the ball forward. Uh, I don't know. I thought, I thought Aguido looked like he moved the ball forward a few times. Rivas looked good until he got tired. I thought he, he wore out. Um, he actually got some shots on target. Uh, he had one uh, early that he forced a diving save from pretty far away. Um, I thought he had another shot. Unfortunately, it was right at the net. And uh, he had one thing that was uncharacteristically sloppy from Rivas is that his crossing was poor. He had one cross that wanged clear into the stands. Um he was trying to get into the box, and the thing just almost took off straight on him. Um, but, uh, you know, what's good is that when you see Carlos Rivas start to get shots on net, that's a, an improvement. And, <laughs> you know, because he's, he's got the big leg, and if he starts getting those things on target, he's going to start scoring more goals. It's just a matter of time. So it was nice to see him get, uh, get, the, get the ball on frame a few times. Um, he doesn't have that issue from a free kick, though, huh? I mean, he puts those on frame just about every time. It's just... Sometimes it looks like he's just moving too fast for himself uh, when he's trying to take those shots. I, I, I do have a question. Have you guys noticed that Rivas, it looks like, I mean, I know when players get tired, they get a bit sloppy. But when Rivas gets tired, it seems like he gets extremely sloppy uh, with the ball. Is that is that something that I've seen myself, or is that something that everyone else is noticing? I, I think all the all the players, not just, not just Rivas, I think all the players kind of, you know, they get the. I saw it yesterday in the U.S. men's national team game where, you know, Josie Altador in the second half, every touch he had was like his foot was made of granite. I mean, everything was just flying off his foot and he couldn't control anything. Um, in, in times where he'd get the ball with the, his back to goal, a man on him, sure, but something he should be able to settle and at least get, you know, bring someone else into the play, and he was just having a lot of trouble. I, I just think that's a common. Thing and the more tired you get, obviously the worse it is because you can't control your muscles with your mind when your mind gets tired. So I just I, I don't know Rivas. I see. I mean I know he he has a big touch at times, but it seems like when he when he gets tired, he gets his mind just leaves the game. His, his focus is no longer there. It's not so much that he has heavy touches and his passes get bad. It's just like he loses focus when he gets tired. Um, and I've noticed that from, from him uh, this year. I, I didn't know if I was the only one that saw that specifically from the single player where I know everyone gets tired and they, they lose their touch. And Yeah, know, I think it's worse. I think it's worse in younger players, and he's a younger player. So yeah. uh, that's probably, you know, explains it. I, I You see the same thing from a Harrison Heath when he gets tired in the second half. Um, you know, it's just that you you learn to you build up that stamina over time when you get you know get a little older. He, he, Revis, there's no there's no doubt. Revis needs to put a little bit more muscle on his frame. Um, he's a slight guy and a you know a thin guy, and I think that he's he's in a lot of ways he's like Kevin Molino was at the beginning of the season. Um, but uh, I think he you know he's got some room to put some little put a little bit of muscle on that frame and and you know 
he'll learn to become a professional and to to be able to conserve a little bit more in the early going so that he has more in the tank at, you know at the end i think that's probably not going to be an issue um so 1-0 flamengo uh defeats orlando city in the the club's first international friendly on foreign soil uh but you know big um Big opportunity and big honor for the, you know Orlando City to go down there and be part of that 120th anniversary celebration for Flamengo. Um, let's turn our attention, guys, toward the uh, Orlando Pride. Uh, since we last spoke, the Orlando Pride gained nine new players through the NWSL expansion draft. And uh, I'm going to start with Daniel because I know Daniel did his mock draft. And uh, I wanted to just get your thoughts overall on how the pride performed in the uh, the expansion draft. Well, you know, my mock draft had the the first two right, and then uh, basically from there on out, it looked like it just went all to blanket a handbasket. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I was looking for Katrina Gorey. I really thought the connection there um, with Tom, because he, he had coached Australia, he brought her into the program. I thought that was going to be there, but then again, uh, there were a lot of backhand deals, especially with Kansas City. Uh, with the Sarah Hagen deal, uh, we don't know if they basically said, hey, protect all of our players. Uh, when it comes down to it, that could have been something that did happen because we didn't take a, a Kansas City player at all. Um, mm-hmm. And that could have been something there because I really thought Katrina Gorey was the type of player to play underneath uh, Hagen and Morgan and would be that ideal uh, attacking midfielder. But then, in, then again, we went and got you know Leanne Sanderson, who's basically the same exact thing. Uh, a much uh, bigger player, Gorey, I think is 4'10". Um, and Sanderson's not going to be away in the uh, Olympics this year, um, which is also good. Uh, and she plays that attacking midfield role, and she is dynamic, is best for England. She puts the ball on the back of the net. She makes beautiful passes. She's she 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 makes the good runs, and she's she's very competitive. So um, when Morgan leaves, which you know we all expect uh, to happen, um, you know we'll still have some attacking firepower in that uh, uh, the attacking third, and then. The, the rest of the players, um, there were a few that I actually had in my mock, my mock draft that I talked about, Taryn Hemmings being one of them, uh, where I actually talked about her going, um, her or Rachel Kwan going fourth. I said it was going to be between those two. We actually took Taryn Hemmings. She can play mm-hmm. outside back. She can play center back. It looks like she's slotted in at center back for us right now. Um, and she just, you know, she's got the, the veteran moxie. She's got the ability to play different positions upon the uh, back line. Um, and she's just, you know, she, she's a good player, a very good player. Um, somebody who can, you know, uh, give you a stalwart defense, uh, defensive front. And then you look at the other players, Tony, Tony Presley's probably coming back uh, to Orlando. That's the thing. And let's not forget getting uh, Ashlyn Harris. I mean, Ashlyn Harris, of course, is the big signing. Everyone knew that was coming. Uh, yep. It was it wasn't a secret, um, but getting a player of that caliber as a goalkeeper, and then getting the player uh, at the caliber of Leanne Sanderson in the midfield. Um, you have Kalen Cowell, and you have Alex Warren and Sarah Hagen up front. That spine looks very very strong right now. And then you're adding the players of like Maddie Evans, who can play outside back, who can play midfield. Um, you have upside and Jasmine Spencer and Jamia Fields, who can play uh, kind of wing attacking roles. Uh, and mm-hmm. Ford as well, so it, it looks like they did a really good job building it out. Yeah, the uh, surprise to me was two Western New York Flash players uh, coming to Orlando. I think that was a little bit surprising to me. Leanne Sanderson, we we had heard rumors about that out of the Portland Thorns, and um, 
you know what's interesting about Leanne Sanderson right now she's on loan in the the Cyprus League, and for, they're early in their season. She has four goals in the first. I think she's only played in two of the four games, and she has four goals. So um, there's a lot of lopsided games though in that, in that oh, particular yeah. league. Uh, I was looking at scores the other day: fourteen nil, eleven nil, some of those games. But uh, it's it's great that uh, Orlando City is serious about you know bringing in players that can. You know, put the ball in the net. Obviously, we know that Alex Morgan and uh, Sarah Hagen can. And, you know, having somebody like Leanne Sanderson in attacking midfield is going to open up space for them. And it's it's maybe, you know, potentially what could bring Alex Morgan back to her, her best form that she's ever had. Andrew, what are your overall thoughts on the roster so far? And, you know, did were there any surprises to you? Um, I don't think there was too many surprises. Um I was kind of, I'm very excited though that we've gone and got some young forward talent. Um, I still do think though that out of everything that we got in the draft, I still think there's actually more surprises to come. I think that once again, just like we did with the men's team, there will be some moves. We just don't yet have them in place. We've got some great assets in Spencer and Fields that are capable of being traded away. Um, but also being developed for maybe future moves, you know, 12 months from now, um, or good loan prospects. Because once again, I don't, I don't think that Orlando will just stay here. They will look for a partner in the women's game. Maybe it'll be in Australia or something. You potentially think that with Samani mm-hmm. being the coach. Um, I think this was a good, solid draft to allow a call. And when we, you know. This week there was potential discussion that you know Major League Soccer and the men's is thinking about doing away with the expansion draft. I think mm-hmm. what yeah. we really saw as a highlight is that there is actually such a wealth of talent in the women's game that the expansion draft is still very beneficial because it gave Orlando City a great core to move forward and be competitive in the first year and not have to worry about contraction in the NWSL. It was yeah, I, I'm... I'm I'm, not, I'm a little bit torn on the the whole issue about expansion drafts. I always kind of like the fact that you know teams can come in and they can start by stocking some stocking their roster with some depth players or some some experienced players. Um, what I you know what makes it easy to to poo poo the draft is that you know these these they don't really give you a lot. I mean it's like dumpster diving in the, in MLS. It's mm-hmm. like you know here's our here's our garbage. You can pick from it. Because there's not a ton of depth in the league, I don't think there's any team that's like terribly deep. So you you end up with these players like you know, we ended up with with guys like that on our roster. I'm not going to call them out, but you know who they oh, are. We know who they, they are. We'll they call those contribute. out later. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really contribute. So um, you know, if you just let teams just protect one fewer guy, that's going to immediately make a bigger impact on an expansion draft. I've heard people say, well. They should just up the allocation money and say that the players, they have to make trades for, for players. They have to use X amount of their allocation money and international slots and make them trade for it. That's the same thing, basically. Instead of just upping the money, just give them a few more extra guys they can pick from. Well, um, let's not forget the state of each league is totally different, too. I mean, the NWSL is the predominant, you know, is the best women's league or arguably the best women's league in the world, having some of the best players in some of the best players want to come play here. The MLS is not necessarily that, uh, and it has more clubs as well. I mean, you have to, you can't then say, hey, let's 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 
let these teams that don't have as much depth, uh, they need to allow one more player to be taken in the expansion draft or be available in the expansion draft. Um, I would rather them be bringing outside talent in to the MLS and driving those those new teams to do that rather than them just plucking them from the teams within. So I'm a I'm a proponent for you know giving expansion teams the opportunity with more allocation money uh, to bring in outside talent because that's only going to make the street the league stronger. Just watering it down by by allowing other teams that don't necessarily have depth to give up a player who's a fringe player in the first place doesn't really do too much for the growth of MLS. Well, I also think that teams that are have been expansion teams within the last, say, three to four years probably should be exempt from having anyone plucked from their roster because they're just now getting to the depth level that everyone else is at. They're not really – they haven't really had a chance to get established. They're still kind of building that up. So okay. I don't know. There, I mean, there's no real right or wrong answer. We'll see what MLS does, and, you know, quite frankly, we'll end up really ripping them for it at some point. Uh, because <laughs> sometimes their rules just don't make a whole lot of sense or, or at least are not obvious. I did want to point out uh, another thing about the Pride uh, in case we were going to go to a different subject, but they haven't really used their international slots yet. Um, they still have those available, and it, you're talking about the connection with Flavio here uh, and this trying to be a complete club atmosphere. Let's, let's take a look at uh, them bringing in some big-name Brazilians because we know... Uh, how much Orlando loves Brazilians here. I mean, and there's there's a couple out there that, you know, will fill midfield roles that we definitely need. So uh, I'm not going to start throwing names out there for, for you know, uh, Brazilian women that are marketable not only here but in Brazil as well. Uh, but there's definitely uh, some big names out there. that like, We know you mean, Marta. We know you mean, Marta. Come on. You're not fooling anybody. You can name names here. All right, uh, before we get out of here in our uh, you know our uh, November edition here of the Mainland Podcast, we want to talk a little bit about the Orlando City roster. And um, we're going to play a little game called Stays or Goes. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a name out there. I'm going to each of you to just tell me, do you think he'll be on the club in 2016 or do you think he'll be elsewhere? Uh, I'm gonna. St- I'm just gonna go alphabetically here, and I'm. The first one's pretty obvious because he wasn't on the uh, roster in the friendly. Corey Ash, long gone. Yeah, gone. Yeah, yep, I agree. I agree. I think that if they were gonna bring him back, uh, I think he would have been in the lineup. And uh, I just think that he was too high. They, His captain yeah, was too high. He, he does. He makes good money. I thought he was a, a very useful player, but in the end, you know, he, he had some injuries that kind of slowed him and. I think that maybe Heath just didn't quite trust him in in some situations that maybe he should have. So I think that kind of kind of stunted his uh, well, I think, development of the team. Maybe I think Bowden showing that he can play at, at this level also, uh, and then you have to look at Ramos on the other side, Breck Shea coming back, Rivas. I mean, just the whole picture, right? Ash is kind of that outside guy looking in, and he wants if he wants to be uh, cheaper. That then that's his decision. But I don't think he's going to take less money, and he's he's going to be going elsewhere. All right, so here's a guy who did play on uh, on the weekend, and he was on he was with the club for one year loan. But my understanding is the club had the opportunity to extend that loan. Eric Avila. I'm gonna I, my silence is a go. Uh, he's gone. I think he stays. Don't don't sound so disappointed, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he stays. I saw them in training. I think he's got he's developed a very close relationship with a bunch of people. His number is pretty low. 
Um, he can play a lot of positions. He can play a lot of positions. He's got a good scrappy attitude, and I think I think that he stays. You know, in uh, in in defense of him, he his right midfield role. He's not a right midfielder, uh, and I, I think he showed that uh, mm-hmm. continuously throughout the year. I don't mind him staying to play specific positions, but I don't know what positions those are because everyone that I saw him play, he, it, it didn't look like he was on the field. Um, and, I mean, you know there's a cheap player out there, but I'd much rather give a different guy a shot that's a cheap player than just hoard a guy on our bench just because he's cheap. Um, I mean, if he's not going to add anything, which I didn't feel like, I really honestly don't feel like he added much um, outside of just having a body then there's other bodies out there. All right, here's a guy who's out on loan. Uh, Adam Bedell is a striker, big, tall dude. Is Does he come back, and do, do they find a place for him on the MLS squad, or do they try to sell him up in uh, Scandinavia? I, I think he's going to be sold. I mean, he's, he's, he's yeah. doing pretty well out there right now. So um, he's got some minutes in already. He scored a couple goals. I can, I can see him being sold. I agree. I think that they... they this was a great move by McDonough. I think he saw what he needed to do, and he knows he's going to get some good return on his investment for the trade. All right, here's a guy who we probably all think will be back, but does he come back as a starter? Luke Bowden. Yeah, I think uh, Bowden's definitely back. I mean, he's 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 earned his place in, in Orlando City for MLS, and uh, a lot of fans love him. I think he's, he's shown the ability to play along the left side. I mean, I still can't believe... He, that goal that he scored, uh, where he looked like he was like, "Am I supposed to shoot?" I'm, the, I'm not quite sure. And then he paused for a second, and finally took the shot. Uh, but he, uh, he, he's, he's enamored with the club, uh, and 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 I think a lot of fans like him. Uh, I'll be happy to see him back. I think so too. I've always liked him. I think he's got, he's got what he looks for in a player. Um, and I thought we saw some great play from this season in MLS, and I think he'll grow. Um, and he's part of this club at a, at a, at a, at a core level. All right, here's a guy who uh, many people might not realize he's still on the team. Tony Cassio, gone. Yeah, well, how, how's his back? I mean, is he is he uh, uh, practicing, not practicing, travel with the club? Andrew, was he down in Brazil? He was not. Um, I I don't see him being there. I think he might be. Ultimately, one of those players that you might see retire in the next year or two, probably through injury, because I don't think he's ever really managed to recover. Yeah, and I, I want to say that's unfortunate, too, because I was excited for him at the beginning of the year with the speed that he could bring on the left side, and uh, he showed well with Houston uh, two years back now, but um, I, I think he's gone. But if he does retire, look look for uh, maybe OCB or something like that to pick him up as, as some kind of coach, because... He has built some relationships here, um, if that's how he's going to move. If he's going to stay as a player in MLS, I don't think it's going to be with Orlando. I think we were going to see some more of him. I thought we were going to see more of him after the Louisville friendly when he played. We finally got back in the lineup. But uh, after that, just saw him at training, and he looked really good. Um, He was was usually used out on the wing, uh, sending in crosses, you know, at the portion of training that we got to see. But... um, Unfortunately, we never got to really see what Tony could do. He was um, he was a guy we were kind of excited about after the expansion draft, and, and especially after we saw Media Day and saw him out there with the guys and how he looked. Um, but, uh, no, he's he's probably gone. Uh, I think we can all agree on this one, Darwin Saren. Oh, that's uh, that's not a question for me. He's, he's here. He's, he's, he was 
my player for Orlando this year. When I, if I was, if I had to choose one who had a breakout year, it would definitely be him. Because at the beginning of the year, we weren't even quite sure if he was starter material uh, after after Orlando's moved to MLS, and uh, he definitely shown he's shown well at the MLS level. He's definitely here to stay. I totally agree. I think he's one of those players that we're building an engine room around. And it will be a toss-up whether or not him or Higita moves on first, but I think that he definitely stays. All right, here's a guy who is uh, part of the spine of the team, Aurelian Collin. Do, uh, does, does Orlando City, you know, move him, or do they keep him uh, in in 2016? Is he is he a long-term guy? Is he somebody they maybe could give a younger guys a, a shot with with Hines and Mateos developing and. Uh, and maybe move his salary? Or what do you guys think? It stays for one more year. I think it's a 50-50, and it's whether or not a Chicago or a Toronto comes in, offers him big money with the ability to really recoup enough for the front office to be able to go out and make some roster moves that they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a guy who I think we probably all agree, but he probably will be in uh, Brevard County, Connor Donovan. Yeah, he stays. He's he, he, OCB definitely, but uh, he's going to be here. And he's he's on a uh, GA contract, so th- mm-hmm. that's a no-brainer. They're not paying anything for him. He's got the ability to grow. He's going to need some time because knee injury that he has is going to take some time. But OCB is definitely going to be his place. Earl Edwards Jr. Uh, I think he's still going to be here too, uh, and look for OCB again. Um, I think he showed well a few times. It depends on what we do with the goalkeeper position. Um, I, I don't know if they're comfortable with, with Earl uh, there as a starter, uh, or Josh for that matter, but um, look for OCB for one of those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you'd asked me this question a week ago, I would have said, no doubt, does he stay? Um, now with um, Thierry Graca being part of the club, and some, you know, front office moves. I think you might see him leave, and I don't think he goes to OCB if he does. I have a feeling that they're going to move him and and keep the trialist too. I I I think that's going to happen. I think um, Paul Tenorio wrote about it as a possibility, and I think that uh, you know it's. I would love to see Earl Edwards develop and and see what he could do and. and MLS in a few years because I think he's a terrific goalkeeper, a, a terrific young goalkeeper. Very good on penalties, as we found out this yeah. year. Uh, stopped one against Ponte Preta, stopped uh, three against Charleston. So, um, you know, good season for Earl. Uh, a really personable kid. Really like him. Uh, but I think there's a chance they move him and, um, you know, maybe get, try to get something for him and then bring in the trialist. And a lot of this, I think, has to do with what is going on with Tally Hall, like how long-term his injury is. So uh, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. Speaking of goalkeepers, you know him, you love him. He played a game in 10 minutes, Josh Ford. Uh, greatest game in 10 minutes ever. I mean, Josh Ford, <laughs> come on. Uh, both of these guys, uh, Earl and Josh, have, have played it. it um, you know, they've been loaned out uh, to, to – either Orange County Blues for Josh or, or Earl's played at um, uh, the Fusion. So I can see somebody going to OCB uh, and the other guy's gone. I, I would rather keep Earl myself because I think he's just got more upside. 
Um, but Josh Ford has a little bit more history to him, so uh, it really depends. I'm going to say Josh is gone now. I think he is a serial journeyman, and he is going to continue his journey elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think he's gone. Um, maybe with an NASL team next year where he can he can start and and you know maybe try to work his way back to MLS. Uh, I think uh, this is all dependent on. Um, well, a little bit money might come into play, but I think a little bit has to do with health. Tally Hall. Wow. Can I, I don't I don't really want to say gone, but I think the money's going to come into play. And even though how great he was this year for us, I think he's I think he's gone just from the money side of it. If if this trial is sticks, and um, we could probably bring in another goalkeeper for for much less. I kind of have to agree. I think it it's by. You know, we saw him go down with a non-contact injury. It's something that the club has to be seriously considering about moving, freeing up some money on the roster. Um, I don't want to say gone either because I think he'd be a nice solid another year while we're still growing and getting stuff into place. But I think he might have to go if the money just doesn't work and with what we try to do. Yeah. I would have said that he's going to be our keeper for the next five years, but these injuries are, are certainly concerning. I would say uh, I'm going to say he's back next year, and I'm going to say that the club hedges its bets and brings in somebody who, and maybe Graca's that guy, who they think, you know, let's bring in somebody that if Tally can't go is going to be our next guy, and, and maybe it's maybe it's another young keeper around the league. So you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if a trade is made in the off season. Uh, let's go with uh, homegrown player Harrison Heath. Uh, he's back. He's back. He's at OCB and he's back. Yep, totally agree. I don't think he goes anywhere. I thought he had. He looked like he's recovered from his knee injury. Um, he looks like he's ready to go. I think he's another one of those players that could do with a little bit more weight on him just to make him a little bit stronger for the position he wants to play, but he definitely returns to OCB. Yep, 19 years old, uh, 5'11", only 160. So he's got to put on some muscle, and he will be able to do that as he gets a little older and uh, gets another year in the weight program, MLS weight program. And uh, I think uh, the people in Melbourne should take good care of H for us. Yep. Uh, Christian Igita. Wow. Uh, this He's definitely back unless somebody sweeps in uh, to pull him from underneath us because he, he's got all the talent in the world. Um, and I think he's probably got another year, uh, staring a bit longer, but one of those two guys that you definitely see maybe go on the off season this year, hopefully not. But, uh, again, if somebody comes in with a big offer, then he's gone outside of that. He's back in the club. Uh, I totally agree. I think if somebody comes in with a big bid, he's gone because I think he, the club knows that he could move to that next level. If we are lucky enough to keep him for another year, he stays, mm-hmm. he's solid. Um, and we probably get more money from the year after. I say stay. He starts the season in Orlando City, and um, he's at here at least until the summer transfer window. And after that, we'll see. If he has a good first half of the season, I expect somebody will throw some money at him in the summer window. Uh, somebody is one of the European clubs who is you know gearing up for their season. Um, other than that, uh, if he doesn't have a great first half of the season, I think he's here all year. Uh, let's go on defense to Seb Hines. Uh, he's going to be here. I think Seb is going to he's going to be here to stay, and I can see him being in that back line for a little while. He stays. He doesn't take up an international spot. He's pretty low on the uh, cap space, um, and he's had a solid season, and he's not really 
put much of a foot wrong, and you can play with both partners depending on whether or not Colin or Mateos ships out. Yep. Yeah, I like Seb. I think Seb comes back, and I'm not sure if he starts, but I think he rotates regularly if he doesn't start. Um, so I think Seb Hines is back. Uh, the captain. So I'm pretty sure we all agree about this guy. Uh, yeah, we don't have to say anything, right? Yeah, he's back. Unless... No, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> Kaka, welcome back, buddy. Uh, here's a guy who we're probably all in agreement is going to spend some time in Brevard County, Estrella. Uh, yeah, Estrella definitely going to... He's going to be an OCB, and hopefully he can he can grow a little bit there. Um, and both him and Heath playing that uh, that, that role in the four two three one. Uh, you can see them starting a lot of games over there in Bavard. I actually think he is... It, this is actually a de- divisive one for me. I think he's actually gone out of the club because I don't think he rates him as a player. Um, and this is going to be whether or not who really controls OCB and whether or not it's the development for the main club or whether or not it's development for selling talent. Oh, fair enough. I, I think Estrella has uh, certainly not shown me much this year. I think that even in the friendly, where a lot of people suddenly thought he should be getting more playing time, I, I thought the friendly against West Brom was a lot of sideways and backward passing for my money. And, um, you know, I, I don't know where the love came from other than the fact that Orlando City won the game, and so they thought, oh, yeah, we should give him more playing time. Um, let's go with Rookie of the Year, Kyle Laren. Uh He's back, uh, and he's going to, I don't think, there's going to be a big enough offer this year for him, uh, and I don't think the club would take it necessarily either. Uh, and he's going to be back scoring goals for Orlando next year. He's most certainly back, but don't be surprised if the club doesn't go out to pick up another big name to support him, and also just in case that he has a second-year slump. Yeah, and not only... Not only in case he has a second year slump, but in case he does it again and the team big teams come calling in the summer window. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah, I think he's he's back. He's certainly somebody that the club would like to hang on to another year or two if they can get that out of him, uh, because his value should continue to go up if he continues to score goals. Yeah. Uh, uh, summer signing David Mateos. Uh, I think he's back. I think that uh, Colin, him, and Hines uh, are going to be the three in the back. Donovan's going to be at OCB, and I think they will be rotating regularly in the uh, in that center defender, defender role. I think he's back too. Um, I, I, his number is high, but I think that they liked how quickly he settled in, and he does have a great partnership with both of them, so I think he comes back. Yeah, only played six games, but boy, he he really settled into MLS quickly. I thought after his third game, he was as solid as anybody we've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like Mateos, and I think they brought him in at the price they did because they had long-term plans for him. That's That was the, the feeling I got when I talked to Paul McDonough. Um, yeah, and I want to say uh, that, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about Connor Donovan. I think one thing I didn't mention is I think he'll be in the lineup for the senior club a bit as a backup in, in case they need him, but I think he'll end up then driving over to uh, to Melbourne to play the next day uh, in a lot of cases because he won't be getting on the field. But I, I think he's a solid enough prospect. He'll be he'll be a backup, I think, on the senior team. Yeah. Um, let's go with a guy we barely got to see him play this year, Kevin Molino. Uh, he's back, and he's going to be starting and hopefully showing the – 
showing uh, the fans the you know why we didn't really go out and get a big name player for that right midfield and right wing position is because mm-hmm. we knew Molino was going to be back. I totally agree. Molino is most definitely back, and I can't wait to see his growth with Kaká hopefully go full strength this season. Yeah, and with more time in the weight room. So um, I think we're all in agreement Molino mania exists. Um, I think we're all in agreement on this next guy, Danny Mwanga. (laughs) (laughs) He's definitely gone. Uh, He didn't show much this year, and it's it's a little upsetting because a few years back Danny Wonga was was an up and comer, but he's he hasn't shown anything over the past few years. And in the expansion draft, a lot of people questioned why we took him, and a lot of people are still questioning that right now. Yeah, I'm gonna just say who. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no way. <laughs> he goes, um, Lewis Neal, guys. Lewis Neal. Oh my gosh, uh, I. I say he retires and gets a job with the club. I say he stays and he plays one more year and then he retires and moves to OCB as a coach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think uh, we're probably going to be stuck with Lewis for another year. Daniel, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I, I, he's, a, he's a tremendous guy and he's a great team guy. And Heath loves him and trusts him with his life. Uh, so I think he's back, and um, you know maybe those sitters will go in next year. <laughs> well, you know if he's, go in. if he's back, it's okay if he's back and he's on the bench. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, and Andrew, we don't need to hear again that we were winning when he was in the lineup. We've already heard yeah. that. Yeah, because we were also losing when he was in the lineup. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was in the lineup a lot. Um, I think we'll all agree on Rafa Ramos. Oh, he's definitely back, and he. I think uh, he needs another. Two years of growth and maturity is the the big thing with him, but then some big clubs may be calling. I think he's back. Um, I think if he has a good season, though, somebody comes in and tries to take him midseason. Okay. I think he's back for the whole year and possibly even a whole other year after that. I think he's got a lot of upside, but I think he's got a long way to go. And for a guy his size... He really needs to to perform well at this level before somebody will take him to the next level. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's my thought on it. Uh, here's a guy I think we'll all agree that is going to be a nice uh, stalwart for Orlando City B, Tommy Redding. Uh, definitely, he's going to see a lot of minutes in OCB next year, and uh, he's got he's got uh, uh, as much potential as anyone. It's it's really good to have both him and Connor Donovan. Uh, they're going to play a lot of games for OCB next year, and that's that's that you couldn't ask for anything better. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think that's actually us developing our partnership for three years down the road, if we can keep everybody together and healthy and happy. At 18 years old, he did not look overmatched by MLS competition. I like Tommy Redding, but a year in the USL playing day in and day out, I think is going to do him wonders. Yep. Uh, here's a guy that I know what Daniel's answer is going to be, but I'm going to disagree with him. Pedro Ribeiro. Oh man, he is please gone. I just I listen, the only thing that he can do if he goes and trains with some cheetahs for the next <laughs> six months, he might be able to stay, but I, I can't see us he's only gonna get slower, guys. He's not gonna get any faster. It's not gonna happen. And I can't I can't <laughs> see us having a guy that plays in a six a six foot six by six box on a field, and that's what he is. I think he 
days. Oh gosh. I think he is the. He is not. He's unfortunately such a utility player for the Kakar or the Laren that I think he he just stays. He's low enough on cost that they they keep him around. Yeah, cheap, uh, good team guy, good attitude, uh, can play multiple positions, could even play center back if need be. Uh, I think he stays. Um, provide some depth. Okay, guys, that's so Rivas. Carlos? Uh, he's definitely back. And uh, at, for, for all the, the saying whenever both him and Aguito were coming here and Rivas was the, the big signing, it looks like Aguito is that big signing, but Rivas did show his ability and He's going to be back playing down that left-hand side for Orlando for, for a little while. I think he's back too, but I think that if he doesn't catch fire and score a goal in the first two months, he spends some time in OCB. Mm. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, here, speaking of OCB, there's a potential landing spot for Sidney Rivera. Um. I I don't know I don't I don't quite know about that the team kind of they held on to him even though he was at Louisville right for a little while and he's still he's mm-hmm. still around now um, I I'll say OCB uh, with the caveat that I think we'll probably look for players with a little bit more potential uh, for that OCB team because I do think it's going to be an actual farm team it's not going to be a sell team mm-hmm. um, and I I think he stays for now unless we get someone else through the draft that has more potential. I say gone completely. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to cut him. Uh, if they, There's a chance they might cut him from the senior club and re-sign him to a, a minor league deal because they do need a few guys who are, are on USL contracts. But I, I just don't see. think we've seen enough of him. Anywhere they've sent him, he had, hadn't been able to get in the lineup. So that's, yeah, that's kind of telling. That is telling. Uh, I think we'll all be in agreement about Brian Rochez. Uh, he's, he's here. He's staying, and he's going to be... Uh, I, I would not be surprised to see him start more games next year than Kyle Laren. I think he stays and he develops into a, a, a almost Kyle Laren style player with the ability to score those those goals needed in the big minutes. Uh, I want to caveat that guy's not because I think he's better than Kyle Laren, but I think Kyle Laren might see a lot of international duty next year. Yeah. So I have to caveat that with the reason why Rochez might start a few more matches than Laren next year. I see Rochez staying as well. I see him being the super sub in about the 70th minute and uh, a second guy for when the team is behind and needs a goal uh, to come on and play with Laren and also a guy who can spot start for Laren. Um, I, I see this as a, as a big year for Brian Rochez. Uh, I think we're all in agreement because of uh, reasons. Servando Carrasco will be back. Uh, reasons. Best way to explain it, yes. And yes. Uh, he'll be back and he'll be playing. Uh, he might be playing for two clubs, actually. I don't, I don't think he's the OCB type of player. Uh, no. I do think you could probably see it once or twice next year happen. Uh, does he have the ability to, to, to go down and, and come back up? Is, is, what, what is that all? Um, what's that My understanding is anyone on the, ma- on the team's uh, roster, not on a USL contract, can go back and forth. Okay. So if they're on an MLS contract, they can go back and forth. They cannot do that with a USL guy. That's my understanding. Yeah, okay. that's, that's it. So, yeah, I think Servando Carrasco's back. And in fact, I thought that he, after a settling in period, played very, very well for Orlando City. 
So uh, he's a guy who's they're not going to be afraid to use him when when Aguita's out or Saren's out on on international duty or due to suspension or you know red card or whatever. He's he's a guy who they're not afraid to play. And um, you know if they end up selling a Saren or Aguita, you know Carrasco could become a fixture in that in that midfield. Still, uh, he's 27 years old and uh, he's got some ability. He showed that several times. I thought he was the best player on the field in this Sporting Kansas City game. Um. I think we're all probably going to agree on Breck Shea. Uh, definitely here. I think uh, one of the reasons why Tally may be leaving to, to clear up uh, cast faces is because of Breck, and then, of course, us bringing out outside players, but uh, Breck's going to be here. Totally agree. I think Breck's back. Um, he showed what he could do. We turned it around when he came back from injury. Um, mm-hmm. He's a solid call player that's not going anywhere. Is Breck Shea back as a left wing or as a fullback? Left wing for me. Uh, I think he he I think he moves back to the fullback uh, position, and I think Revis is really going to step up next year. Revis or a brand new designated player. <laughs> I'm hopeful. I'm a hopeful guy. Um, okay, Tyler Turner. I think we're all going to agree on this guy. Uh, he's back, um, and he'll see time with both clubs. I don't think he sees time with both clubs. I think they make him a solid. OCB guy. Yeah, I see him as a USL guy unless there is a rash of injuries. I don't expect him uh, to be with the senior club much. Uh, he'll train with them, obviously, and he'll develop. He'll get some minutes. And uh, under Anthony Poulos, he'll uh, he'll develop and uh, get to be a better player. Quick, quick call, guys. I don't know if you remember that uh, Ramos had five red cards uh, last year. There's going to be uh, <laughs> there's going to be some times where we see uh, Tyler Turner either on the bench or playing for Orlando City's senior team next year. Did you say five red cards? Yes. That's not correct. Yeah, that, how, to... how many red cards did he have <laughs> last year? Two, I two. believe. Did he have five yellow cards, two red cards? That's what happened. I think the club goes out. I think the club goes out and um, gets some fullback depth in the offseason. Uh, so I think Turner's going to stay at OCB. Uh, and last but not least, winter is coming. Or is he going? Wow. Ah, man. Up in the air, huh? Him and Kevin Molino. I think uh, winter stays just because we don't know how Molino's coming back from injury. Um, I think he'll be here. I think winter stays, too. He provides coverage. He has the ability to move inside. If somebody goes down hurt, I think he was also feel like his number was fairly low, too. Um, for a player of his caliber. Yeah, I, I think he stays. Uh, as you mentioned, he's, he's a versatile guy, but I think the other guy that's versatile uh, is Kevin Molino, and I think if Kaká goes down and Molino could stay healthy, he moves to the middle and Venter starts on the right in his spot. So uh, I see him staying. So there you have it. That took a long time, but uh, there's your stays goes for uh, for the mainland staff. And, um, you know, feel free to you know mention in the comments if you – vehemently agree or disagree with us uh, i'm sure you will so guys uh i think that just about wraps it up for the november edition of the mainland podcast i think that uh you know we we we're lucky to get an extra game you know we didn't make the playoffs but we did get an extra game and you know some of the the teams that made the playoffs only got one extra game and then they were out so um you know, you never know what's going to happen in the postseason. So at least it was nice to get a game that we could feel good about because we really didn't care if they lost all that much. 
it was like, yeah, we want them to win, but yeah, if they lose, so what? You know, it's a friendly. It's not a big deal. Um, and, you know, of course, we've got a lot of excitement ahead in the offseason, the first, uh, you know, real buildup to the expansion season for the Orlando Pride. We'll have a lot more to probably to say about Orlando City B on our next broadcast in December as well because, you know, things are going to start moving on that front as well. So uh, uh, there you have it. And, of course, we'll keep our eyes peeled for all the all of what's coming and going uh, with the with the big club. And we probably would have talked more about the uh, the U.S. men's national team had Brexhay played in either of these uh, recent qualifiers, but he was – he was not. He was on the bench and didn't get to play, so uh, we didn't get to discuss the U.S., which might be a good thing after the last game, yeah. uh, on this 36th episode of the Mainland Podcast. Not much to talk about that last game. so Nah, nah. We could talk about how much uh, rage I felt at, at Jossie Zardes. We could talk about that, oh but that would get old pretty quickly. I was, I was raging pretty hard about <laughs> especially about the miss off the crossbar, but... Well. Uh, what are you going to do? It's a draw, and uh, you know the fact that people are happy with a road draw at Trinidad Tobago probably speaks quite a bit about where this team is right that, now. So if that, that's the state of U.S. soccer, uh, the men's team, whenever you're okay with drawing with a, a Caribbean nation uh, in Concacaf away, then I, I don't I don't know what to say. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't I don't want to get into that conversation and start Jurgen bashing over here. Yeah, well, I'll be. I'll, I don't mind. I don't mind bashing a little Jurgen. I'm, I'm, okay I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. But uh, you it's know, technically a me, hate crime. You can't do that. It's a hate crime. For me, Concacaf is all about the U.S. and Mexico. You see what Mexico's doing, and you can see the U.S. is not currently keeping pace with them, and that's kind of troublesome. But uh, I guess we'll probably get into that more as uh, you know in, in future episodes. Also, one thing I want to do is I want to have the guys from the Atlanta uh, blog come on. Um, and, and talk a little bit about their, you know, their inaugural. They're getting ready. They're getting ready for a team in Atlanta, and, and you know, they. I've already been on their podcast, talk a little bit about inaugural seasons and what uh, supporter culture and that kind of thing. I mean, it might be interesting to have them on, so I'm going to reach out to them, and and we'll also reach out to the club and see if we can get some exciting guests that are even more exciting than us, which is hard to believe uh, on the next edition of the Mainland Podcast. But uh, I think we've babbled long enough, guys. So uh, you know. Uh, on behalf of Daniel McGann and uh, Andrew Harrison, our globe-trotting uh, coverage guy who just got back from Rio, and boy, are his arms tired. <laughs> I am Michael Citro, <laughs> saying, Go City! <laughs> <laughs>